I'm Maria Hill, and this is The Haunted Spaces, a podcast of short stories about the paranormal. Last week, we heard all about the new home that Lily and Jamie bought. Their son Sam had made a new imaginary friend Toby that was starting to become scary for Sam. This week, we find out what happened after Jamie opened that bedroom window. A warning to my listeners. This story contains some graphic descriptions of violent situations that may be disturbing or upsetting to some. Here's New Town, New Friends, Part 2. The following day, as Lily carried a bin of Halloween decorations up from the unfinished side of the basement, She heard Sam singing Ring Around the Rosie in the playroom on the opposite side. She came to an abrupt stop about halfway up the steps, and a feeling of sickness washed over her. There was another voice coming from inside the playroom. She knew she wasn't crazy. A chill ran through her body at the realization. As she turned to go back down the stairs, Lily was jolted by a hard shove on her lower back, making her lose her balance. The bin she was holding bounced down the steps in front of her, and her body followed closely behind it. Both slid to a stop against the wall at the bottom, the bin spilling open, throwing decorations in all directions. Lily winced at the pain from her ribs hitting the bottom step. She brushed the hair out of her face and reoriented herself. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. A deep male voice whispered this in her ear. Sam! Lily screamed. She jumped up and ran as fast as she could, bounding into the playroom where Sam sat in a circle of plastic trucks. He looked up at his mother. Sam, let's go upstairs, she said urgently, panic in her voice. I'm playing, he responded flatly. Let's go, Sam, now. Toby won't let me leave, he whispered to her. That's enough of this imaginary friend, Sammy, she said with tears in her eyes. I don't like it. He's real, Mommy, he argued. Then where is he, she questioned, flinging her arms into the air. I thought you said you had to invite him inside. He came in when Daddy opened the window, he said quietly. Don't worry, Mommy. I told him he has to be nice. What do you mean, nice? Sam rolled a truck back and forth, considering his words. Sometimes he plays tricks on me or gets mad and throws my toys. Throws your toys? Lily questioned. He nodded. Can he throw one of your toys right now? She asked, afraid of the answer. Sam hesitated and then looked up over his shoulder, covering his ears. A blue car that was in the circle around Sam lifted up and flung itself against the wall of the playground, crashing back to the floor beside them. Lily yelped and covered her mouth in horror as a quiet laughter filled the room. She ran up to Sam and swept him into her arms, jumped over the upturned bin at the bottom of the stairs, and sprinted toward the top, slamming the door behind her. 
Grabbing her keys and cell phone off the counter, she ran out of the house and directly to the car, locking the doors. Through shaking hands, Lily dialed Gina and drove straight to her house. When she pulled into the driveway, Gina was standing on the front porch waiting for them with her phone in her hand. She rushed out to greet them as they got out of the car. What happened? she asked. You sounded so scared on the phone. Lily picked Sam up out of the car and hurriedly carried him past Gina toward the house. Just get inside and lock the door. Gina listened to her and followed, locking the door behind her. Lily, what the hell is going on? She demanded, her voice shaking with concern. Lily stopped in the foyer as Kimberly came out of the kitchen holding two glasses of Merlot. Lily shot a look at Gina and walked past Kimberly, ignoring her and refusing the drink. Kimberly shrugged her shoulders and poured the wine into her own glass. Gina apologetically looked at Lily. I thought you would need some support, she admitted. Lily put Sam down and bent down to meet his eyes. Sammy, why don't you go play with your friends while Mommy talks? And gave him a cheek and gave him a kiss on the cheek. He scurried off toward Ella's room. When Sam was out of earshot, she turned to the woman. There is something really messed up happening in our house. Gina and Kimberly exchanged glances and then looked back at Lily. What do you mean? asked Gina. Lily exhaled deeply, blowing her bangs out of her eyes. I know this sounds crazy, but I think there's a ghost in our house. Gina looked over at Kimberly, warning it with her eyes to keep her mouth shut. Kimberly ignored the warning and laughed. Annoyed with Lily's ignorance. No shit, she began. Don't you know what happened in that house? She asked, waiting for a response. Lily stared blankly at Kimberly and then at Gina, whose face looked as if she'd been caught in a lie. Gina, what is she talking about? Lily demanded. Well, Gina began. We don't actually know what happened. She bit her lip nervously. What? Lily became louder. We don't know if it's true, she frowned. Don't know if what's true, Lily demanded. Kimberly took another sip of her wine, set it down, and interrupted. The last family who lived in your house was there less than a year, she said calmly, twirling a strand of hair around her finger. But you never mentioned anything weird, so... What happened in the house... Lily was standing now, fists balled at her sides. Oh, calm down, Lily. Kimberly rolled her eyes. Stop being so damn dramatic. Gina stood up and placed herself between the two women, holding her arms out to create a barrier between them and turned to face Lily. The last family had two little girls and a baby on the way, she began. The girls started talking about an imaginary friend. Lily's face went white who would supposedly tell the girls to do bad things, she continued. They were doing a ton of construction and remodeling, so it was super chaotic. The girls set a fire on the back porch and said that their friend did it. She made air quotes around the word friend. That's why you have that brand new patio in the back now, Kimberly interjected. That's not all, Gina said, biting her lip. Other weird stuff was happening in the house, too. Like what? Lily interrupted. I don't know. 
like electronics turning on and off on their own, light bulbs exploding. Things would go missing or be moved around. But then it escalated to things being thrown until... Until what? Lily snapped, crossing her arms over her chest. Until they started to get hurt, Gina said quietly. One of the girls was pushed down the stairs and broke her leg. And Jennifer, the mom, slipped in the kitchen one day and... She lost the goddamn baby, Kimberly snapped, shaking her head and taking a huge sip of wine. Gina looked over at Kimberly and then back at Lily before continuing. But then her husband was outside chopping wood in the backyard. Her voice trailed off. And, um... Gina stopped and looked at the floor, nervously shaking her hands. Oh, for God's sake, Kimberly jumped in. He tripped on something and fell on the axe. Lily gasped out loud. He didn't make it, Gina added before directing her words at Lily. Lily, they say that there's something evil in that house. It gains the trust of someone in the family before turning on them all. People think that the imaginary friend is somehow the one who killed George and pushed Jennifer and Grace. Lily thought of Sam and his new imaginary friend, Toby. What the hell, you guys, Lily exploded, running out of the room. Kimberly stood up and went after her. Oh, come on, Lily. You expect us to believe? Sammy, Lily screamed up the stairs. Sam, come on, we're leaving right now. She turned her head sharply to look directly into Kimberly's eyes. Sam had bruises on his arms that he said came from his imaginary friend, and I just got pushed down the goddamn stairs. There are voices coming from the basement. Kimberly stood leaning against the doorframe, glaring at Lily. Didn't you wonder why you got such a great deal on basically a brand new house? Realtors don't have to disclose deaths on properties in this state, Kimberly, so no. I didn't wonder. And why the hell would I buy a house knowing that anything like that happened there? She shouted. And what is your problem with me anyway? She scowled. Gina walked over and gently placed a hand on Lily's arm. Jennifer was her best friend, she said quietly. And now she won't even talk to me because she wants nothing to do with anyone here. She just took the girls and left. I don't even know where she is, Kimberly snapped. Sam came down the stairs, looking from face to face, and stopped midway, sensing that something bad was happening. Lily held her hand out to him. Come on, she urged, waving her hand for him to come down the rest of the steps. We're leaving. When Sam got to the bottom of the stairs, Lily took his hand and led him to the front door before turning around. You were supposed to be my friends, she said bitterly, before walking out and slamming the door behind her. Gina ran after her. Wait, she yelled. Just let her go, Kimberly said quietly. She sat down on the bottom step of the stairs and leaned back on her elbow, crossing her legs in front of her. She stared out the window beside the door, bouncing one leg over the other, and watched as Lily's car backed out of the driveway. Lily's tires squealed as she pulled into her own driveway, slamming on the brakes. They got out of the car and went straight to Sam's bedroom. Sam watched quietly as his mother pulled the blankets and pillow off his bed and dragged it down the hall to her room, placing it on the floor next to the bed. We're going to have a sleepover, Sammy, she tried to sound excited. 
Sam sprawled out on his belly atop his blanket and looked at a picture book. Lily sat beside him and opened her laptop. She was determined to find out more about what she had just learned. She searched death of local man, axe death, and ghost murder until she found a local news article from over two years ago about the family that had previously occupied her home. Local man dies in accident, read the headline. George Stevenson, 43, was killed in an accident on Thursday, it read. She scanned further down where it mentioned his family. He is survived by his wife Jennifer and daughters Grace and Olivia. Okay, there's nothing weird here, she thought as she continued scrolling. This poor family, how tragic. She decided to look into the history of her home and was able to locate the property records. It listed the owners dating back 85 years. The original owners were John and Elizabeth Samuel. They built the home in 1936 for $3,400. They were only there for five and a half years. After the Samuels, the pop after the Samuels, the property shifted ownership several times before the Stevensons were listed. Several families had moved in, stayed for only a short time, and then subsequently moved out. The house was split into apartments and rented to two tenants at one point before being converted back to a single family home. By the time the Stevensons owned the property, it had passed through twelve different owners and many more residents. Well, that's a little weird, she thought. Lily searched the name John Samuel and clicked on the first link that looked promising. It was a photograph that had originally accompanied a newspaper article about the opening of a new post office in 1938. In the photo, a weathered, slender man in his 30s or 40s stood in front of the new post office with his weight shifted to one side and his hands in his pockets. He had on a dark shirt with the sleeves rolled up to just below the elbow. His dirty hair was hidden by a hat that did a lousy job protecting him from the sun. He stared straight into the camera without a smile, his head cocked to one side, squinting from the sun. Lily squinted back at him, focusing in on his face. Mommy, Sam interrupted. Can I have a snack? He asked. Sure, honey, Lily responded, looking at her son and standing up. Stay here and don't go anywhere else, okay? She told him, setting the laptop down beside him. He nodded in agreement. Just as she stepped into the hallway, she heard Sam yell, Toby! She stopped and ran back into the room. Where? She yelled. Sam was pointing at her computer screen. Mommy, it's Toby! He said to her, as she came rushing over to the laptop, she spun it around to see that Sam had been pointing at the old photograph of John Samuel in front of the post office. No, sweetie, that man's name is John. Toby, he insisted. Lily looked closer at the picture, scanning down the page to the caption underneath it. John Tobias, in parentheses, Toby, Samuel, pictured above was one of the first residents to visit the new post office that opened on Tuesday. Lily's heart raced. This can't be. Wasn't Toby a child? And 
imaginary? This is Toby. She stared into Sam's eyes. Your imaginary friend, Toby? She pressed. Are you positive? He nodded. I told you he was real. She turned back to the laptop screen and rushed to find the next link in her search. She clicked on it and another article popped up. This article was dated November 12, 1942. It was an interview with a milkman who had come to deliver the milk at 24 Patty Lane. He stated that he thought it was too quiet to be a regular Thursday and that normally when he approached the front porch, Mrs. Samuel would come out to greet him. He also said that William, the little boy, would also be outside completing his morning chores whenever he delivered to that house. The man reported that when he knocked on the front door, no one came out. So he knocked again and called to them. He was worried, so he looked in the kitchen window and saw Mrs. Samuel lying on the floor in a pool of blood, and closely nearby was her boy. He became scared and ran away, alerting the police. What the hell? Lily thought. She scrolled down to the next link. November 19th, 1942. John Tobias, in parentheses, Toby, Samuel, was found deceased last night in the basement of his home at 24 Patty Lane. He had lived there with his wife Elizabeth and son William, who were found murdered in the home last week. Lily felt fear coursing through her veins. She jumped up and grabbed her cell phone to call Jamie, but her fingers were shaking, unable to type in the correct password to open the phone. She fumbled through it a second time, and again it was incorrect. She forced herself to slow down and was finally able to unlock the phone. She dialed Jamie's number and waited for him to pick up. Come on, come on, she said out loud. The television in the bedroom flashed on before turning off again, and the lights began to flicker the light bulbs in the chandelier that hung over the stairway the light bulbs in the chandelier that hung over the stairway began to burst one and two at a time spewing shards of glass all down the stairs and on the landing sam ran to his mother and hid his face behind her leg jamie finally picked up the phone and Li- jamie finally picked up the phone and lily screamed you need to get home now the sound of crunching glass under footsteps made its way to their ears They both sharply turned toward the front. The sound of crunching glass under footsteps made its way to their ears. They both sharply turned toward the doorway at the sound. Someone was slowly climbing the stairs. Each step that came closer to them with a crunch of broken glass getting a little bit louder. Someone was slowly climbing the stairs. Each step that came closer to them with a crunch of broken glass getting a little louder. Sam stared at his terrified mother. He's coming. I'm Maria Hill, and this has been The Haunted Spaces. Thank you for listening. And remember, you may not be the only one sharing your spaces. love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to subscribe, rate, and review The Haunted Spaces. Thank you for listening.